0: Good morning, I'm Nathan Thomas, I'm the assistant pastor here. Our passage this morning is from John chapter 17. Uh, I... This is a passage that uh, has been quite dear to me in my life. It is a passage in which Jesus is praying for the apostles. And by extension, all those who follow after the apostles. This is a prayer in which Jesus intercedes for his people. Uh, So, as we go to John chapter 17, and we begin in verse 13. uh, Keep that in mind. This is Jesus praying on our behalf. Let's start in verse 13. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may that my that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is in tr- is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, this is your word, and these are, this is the prayer of Jesus. And as I preach this morning, I ask that the Spirit may be alive in us, and show us your grace and wisdom, and that if I think, preach anything false or untrue, that it fall upon deaf ears. I do ask that your name may go forth and that your name be praised. It is in Jesus' name. Amen. So growing up, uh, I had several friends, but I had one particular close friend. uh lived on Curtiswood, which was in my neighborhood, and we always rode bikes together. As a matter of fact, when we moved over to Gordonia, he also moved. So we ended up going to Alice Drive Elementary together and then Alice Drive Middle together. It was great. It was like having my best friend with me all the time. Everybody wants that. We went to the same middle school, and I, in middle school, you pick a band instrument. If you could either band or you sing or you do something extracurricular that's supposed to broaden your horizons. I chose band, and I ended up playing trombone, mainly because our family already had a trombone, and I thought it was kind of cool the way it slid up and down. That was a lot of fun. Uh, My buddy, Will, decided to play trombone as well so we could hang out in band class. Uh, It was a foolproof plan. Where uh, I ended up quitting trombone in high school, Will fell in love with the instrument. So much so that in high school, we were actually, me and a couple of friends were hanging out at his place one night, and then he just looks at us and he's like, all right, y'all are welcome to stay, but I'm going to go practice my trombone. And he just left us in his living room to go practice his trombone. And he, and he loved it. And that was his passion. That's, that's what he wanted to do. So he would leave things behind so he would do the things that he loved. As a matter of fact, uh, he still plays. He's a professional trombone player. And his ability, his music talents have taken him all over the world. He worked very hard to get there. Now as Christians we are called to grow in our faith. And we are we are on a journey. And it is one that takes us away from sin and moves us toward Jesus. It, it gets us ready for the glory to come. And see, whereas we'll practice because you wanted to get better, we look to the truth of the gospel. We will to the truth of Jesus, and we are guided by the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of truth, that we may grow in our faith and that we may be sanctified. And that is our main point this morning. The truth will sanctify us. So, as believers, a couple of things happen when we believe. First, uh, we are set apart. We are given a gift. We see this... In John, uh, in verse 14 of the passage, he says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Uh, now, this is a beautiful and kind of terrifying verse. He says, I've given them the word, and the world has hated them. And so you could read this as a young believer, and you're like, oh, uh, that's great, um, now, at first glance, what you can ask what the word is. And at first glance, you may say, well, it's scripture. And we do have this amazing gift. Because in the Bible, we see the story of Jesus. It lets us know God's incredible love for his people. It lets us know his faithfulness. It tells us of the hope of where we're going. It tells us of the resurrection, a time in which there will be no more sorrow. a time in which there will be no more tears. tells us of how we are saved from our sin. This is indeed a beautiful gift. But I think there's more to it. Because John, when he begins his gospel, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how he opens it. And he's talking about Jesus. And he's calling him the Word. And so when you look at this passage and Jesus is like, I have given the word. Yes, he's talking about scripture, but he's also saying, I have given them myself. That is the gift we as believers have been given. His life, his care. If if the church is the bride of Christ, that means Jesus is our groom. He gives himself so the bride may be redeemed. Is life-changing. It's a life-changing gift. So much so it changes who we are. It changes the direction we go. It should change our very desires. This is what life-changing gifts do. When I was 21, I was somewhat at a crossroads. I just graduated college, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Either I was going to be, become a German teacher, Dr. Lieber, or become go into ministry. Now, obviously, me preaching kind of spoils the end of the story. Uh, but to figure out what I was going to do, I did this internship with a college ministry called RUF, uh, which is first couple of years of college or out of college are a great time to try new things, to get your feet wet, to learn some new stuff. And so I was excited to go in this ministry, and then I was asked to go to Pennsylvania. I was looking forward to it because uh, I knew they had good football up there. But to go over the summer, and I had one summer to raise, if I remember correctly, I think about half to a two-thirds of $30,000. Now I was very young, and I was like, I do not know if that's going to happen. That seems like an incredible amount of money. Yet I was overwhelmed that year. People gave, and they were incredibly generous. Many people from here in Westminster just gave and sent me up to Pennsylvania. People from my church in Boone gave. People I attended college with gave. I had family that gave so much. It was an overwhelming and humbling gift. It was an incredible amount of generosity that I, I had not really felt before. And that set the direction for the rest of my life. It changed where I was going. It changed what I wanted to do. When Christ gives us himself, when Jesus sanctifies himself, when he... When he dies for us and he he rises for us, he, he, he sets us in a new direction. As Jesus says, he's not of this world. And because he's not of this world and because we are his, we are no longer of this world. It's like he says in verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. That is Jesus talking about his followers? Now the phrase of the world, let's clarify what it means because there's multiple ways you could say of something and it can mean multiple things. It could be as in coming from, as in one could say I'm of South Carolina, I've always been a South Carolinian. Even when I was in Pennsylvania, I still thought of myself as a South Carolinian. As a matter of fact, we did a service mission up in Honeypath, and there were moments in which my students could not understand what the locals were saying. And so I had to translate from English to English <laughs> because I understood the rural southern accent, and they did not So there is an of as in coming from, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying of as in belonging to. I am of the Thomas family. I was born a Thomas. I was raised a Thomas. I will always be a Thomas. Jesus gives us himself. And that separates us from the world. That sets us apart. Sure, we begin in the world, as Paul makes clear in Ephesians 2, right at the beginning, uh, he talks about how we are dead in our trespasses and then walked following the course of this world. But God changes that. Staying in the way of the world, as in possessed by the world, that will lead to a place of wrath and pain and hurt. But Jesus is not, and we've got this gift, and we are not of it. There is a change. We belong to him. We are of Jesus. We are of our Savior. Christ is divine. He is God. He is heavenly. He is beautiful. He is terrifying. He is awe inspiring. In his presence, we are humbled. Even at the beginning of Revelation, John falls to his feet when he sees Christ in his heavenly glory. John, who is his best friend on earth, falls to his feet. Jesus is holy. And we are of Jesus. We are set apart. We are a part of His kingdom. We have left the wretched state. We embrace His heavenly truth. We belong to that truth. We belong to Jesus, to our Father in heaven, to the Spirit who dwells within us. There should be a fragrance about us that reflects the beautiful love in the gospel. Of Jesus, but we don't we don't start that way. Much in the same way, a a flower doesn't begin in full bloom. You know, it begins to grow as a seed. It grows, it struggles, and when the time is right, the flower's full beauty is revealed. Likewise, when we are saved, there is a seed that puts us in the kingdom of God. When we are sanctified in the truth, we begin to grow and bloom and begin to show an eternal beauty. And as we are set apart, we are to become more and more like Jesus who saves us. Jesus makes a very clear request. In this prayer, he makes a, he beseeches the Lord. He makes a very clear ask of the Father. He says this Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Now, sanctify, I, as far as I know, it's not really used much outside of the church. And sanctify, in a nutshell, uh, it is the life of being a Christian. It begins when you repent and believe in Jesus and you go, now what? Well, the process of growing in faith, the process of becoming more and more like Christ and putting on a new self, well, that's, that's what we call sanctification. And really, we can. It's, the simpler way to look at it is in two parts. The first part is we die to our sins. Before Jesus, we are of the world. And when we have Jesus, we need to leave that behind. And that that can be difficult. Paul, in his his letter to Galatians, he's, he's trying to get them to understand that they need to put to death their sinful selves, the sinful part of their lives. Because when we come to faith, we want to leave the worldly things behind. And so Paul, in this letter of Galatians who have heard the gospel, but then all of a sudden we're like, "Uh, yeah, but I really want to add to it. So Paul writes them the stern letter. And after he lists the fruits by the Spirit, the fruits that show up in the Christian's life, he says this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What Paul is trying to drive home in his letter is that we are to put to death our sin, to crucify. Now, our faith is not simply easy believism where we just say, I believe in Jesus and then go about doing everything that we did before. No, we've been set apart and so we must be set apart. And in order to do that, we have to leave our sinfulness behind. When I was going up to Penn State for this campus ministry, I had to go through training that summer, and one of the things I remembered about, I remember clearly, was this pastor by the name of John Stone. Uh, he was a very bold preacher, uh, just not much of a filter as he preached. It was wonderful to hear him, but he talks. He told us as we were going, he's like. Do not talk about the college you came from. Your college town is not that cool. And then he went through with every intern and made fun of every college and town that they were from. Except for Boone. He got to Boone, he looked at me, he's like, you're from Appalachian State. And I was like, yes, sir. And he goes, all right, Boone's a really cool town. However, do not talk about the town you are from. I get it. I mean, why would anybody want to be in a ministry where the minister is always talking about someplace better? There's amazing sweetness when it comes to knowing Jesus. There is a goodness there. It's a it is a truth that. Pulls us out of our spiritual deaths is it is truth that gives us life. And so I ask, why would we cling to our past sinful selves? Why would we cling to the very desires and passions that would move us away from the cross? The things that we would destroy that would destroy our souls. No, we would want to leave that behind. We should desire to leave that behind. Because in Jesus, we see your sin for what it is. And we should have nothing to do with it. Now, I do understand. It is not easy. We, in fact, sang a song this morning that talked about helping our unbelief. I'm not naive. I know putting to death our sin is a struggle. It is hard and the writers of Scripture know this as well. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, later in Hebrews, he says this Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This guy knows. That we may believe in Jesus, but the weight in sin still clings to us. And so he exhorts us, lay it aside. It is a spiritual battle. It is difficult. And I encourage our young believers in here, talk to those who disciple you. Talk to those who have gone before you. Let them tell you how Christ in the Spirit has been faithful in putting to death their sins. It is difficult, but it is good. Because the spirit of truth works truth in us. And that race, that race that is set before us, we can absolutely run because we don't run alone. Not only do we have our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And that enables us to lay aside that sin. To lay aside the weight and the guilt and look ...to Jesus in all things. Because it is Jesus who perfects our faith. Because we don't just put to death our sin. uh, We also want to move toward the cross. We want to grow in holiness. This is generally the second part of sanctification. The spirit of truth uses the truth of the gospel... ...to push us toward Jesus... Indeed, Jesus' desire for his people, when he prays in verse 19, back in John 17, And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus loves his people. He died for our sins. The wrath we deserve, he took on the cross. And he did that in order that we may be saved. What is our response to this? What is our response to this great love to be set apart? Well, we should pursue holiness. That is the proper response. We should pursue Jesus. We should pursue heavenly things. We should embrace the goodness of the truth of Jesus. Now, that can be hard. Again, we live in a world uh, that. And we are surrounded by things that are not of God. We live in a society that is constantly competing for our attention. I mean, I wish it was merely a distraction, but it's so much more. Yet we do have the Spirit. We can rely on Him. We can rely on the Spirit of truth to pursue holiness. Because as we rely on this great helper, we grow in our faith. When we dwell in the scripture, our faith deepens. If you you want to put your sin to death, if you read the scriptures, it is quick to show you your wickedness. But it is also quick to show you the greatness of God's glory. It's quick to show you the mercies of his love. And it's quick to show you the goodness of his faithfulness. it's sufficient to give you wisdom to follow after him. And there will be times when you're in scripture, you're not going to like it. It'll be good, but it'll be difficult. And when you wrestle with it, that's really good. When you wrestle with scripture, that's when you really grow in your faith. And as I talked about last week, we can can pray. Prayer helps us grow in our holiness. When we pray, the Spirit is interceding for us. us, He grants us the wisdom to follow after Jesus and to do heavenly things on earth. In our prayers, we have the strength to lay aside the weights, the sin, and then we have the strength to run that race and to show forth the gospel, the light of Jesus. In our prayer, we can begin to seek out wisdom on how to live a life that is pleasing to God, to, God, to be after His own heart, to make us ready to be with the Lord for eternity. In this morning, in our sacrament, In the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and when we have baptism, we see God's faithfulness to us. And through these, he draws us to him. And we are blessed by this. And all of this, whether it is in scripture or in prayer, in the sacraments where the spirit is at work in our lives, as we run this race that is set before us, we grow in our faith. We grow in our hope and we grow in our love. We have a newness in life. When Jesus saves us, we are born anew and we become like children. Children pick up on their parents' behavior. They learn their parents' mannerisms. When we pursue truth... We become like children of God. We are children of God. In our prayer, in our scripture reading, in the sacraments, in our day-to-day lives, as we pursue truth, we pick up the mannerisms of our Savior. And that is good. That is what we want. That is our, should be our desire. That is the response to our salvation. Yes, it is different from the world, the fallen world around us, but it is so holy and delightful. So we need to pursue the truth of our Savior in every aspect of our lives, not just Sunday mornings, although it is good to worship together. But in our day-to-day, in our hour-to-hour, we are to pursue the Lord. We are to pursue the Lord in our relationships with our brothers and sisters, with our co-workers and our neighbors. We are To pursue the Lord in our work. We are to be diligent in our work. To glorify God. We are to pursue the Lord in our hobbies. Whether it is games or uh, gardening, painting. Whatever thing that you do. We want to glorify God in this. Christ has set us aside for a glorious purpose. And he's called us to put on this new self and to be renewed after the image of God. And so we are to pursue heavenly things. We are to seek them out. At the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned my buddy Will. Uh, In truth, we are not as close as we used to be. I do miss him. Uh, but he plays for the Air Force. That's where he plays his trombone. Uh, and this past Memorial Day, he played uh, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. He called it a hallowing experience. And how, he talked about how wonderful it was to be a part of something greater. As we are sanctified in truth, we are a part of something greater. It is a hallowing experience. It becomes we are in the process of becoming holy. We are in the process of becoming Christ-like. We are part of the most brilliant and amazing story ever told. We move toward the Lord. So let us continually embrace God's truth. Jesus consecrated Himself for our sake. So. Let us set aside our lives for his sake. Leave your sins behind. Pursue goodness and holiness and truth with each and every passing hour. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you make us holy. Lord, give us a love for you. Give us a hatred of our sins Let us know the blessing of being set apart for you. Let us seek after you each and every day. Amen.